Two middle-aged men in Cleveland, Kent Worsnick, Ted Klopp. Ted, we've reached your favorite episode, episode 69. We will, I don't know what you're uh, talking about. We will honor Jim Kanicki. Oh, is you that know Jim Kanicki? I thought we were honoring something else, but okay. No, we're going to go with the person. Jim Kanicki played for the Browns in the 60s. Oh. Two-way player. How about that? Wow. How about that? Not many of those. You don't hear about that anymore. No. So. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, Gene, Jim Kanicki has. Jim Kanicki. Come yeah. on. Jim Kanicki. Not Gene. Yeah. Gene Oakland. By the way, speaking of the uh, Browns, uh, quick acknowledgement of a great offensive lineman who passed in the last week, Dick Shafrath, former Ohio yeah. senator, uh, great guy. Uh, I went to college with his uh, daughter and uh, he was, he was a, yeah, I mean, he blocked for some of the greats, not just uh, Jim Brown, but uh, Leroy Kelly amongst others. So um, not to start the show on a sad note, but I uh, thought it might be appropriate to just mention that real quick. I'm glad you brought that up. He was a very nice man. I did hear him speak one time. The Browns legends would bring players out once in a while. You'd call the alumni office and, he did speak. I think it was an Ashland event one time where yep. he did speak that I heard him. It was just a super, super nice man. Yes. So certainly a prayers to the family and all that. Yeah. Ted, on a, another note. Yeah. Okay, so obviously one of our favorite people is uh, Mr. Mielhausen, who is so yes. nice to join us. Who's from the zone. Steve is just great. Uh, he did some travel last week for the Manny Pacquiao fight. And I think he's doing some travel this week. Um, for the big fight that's coming up on Sunday with uh, Jake Paul. So, yep. He talked about the big events last week. So big wrestling events, one of which was SummerSlam. Right. Now, if you attended SummerSlam, which neither of us did, you ran into some problems last oh, did you know? I don't know if you heard about this. I, so, I heard a little about this, but uh, enlighten me. Many different venues now are going to a cashless type of situation. Okay. So th at the venue at Allegiant, they ask everyone to use a credit card. Sure. Well, their biggest fears were realized <laughs> when their system went down. Yeah. And we're not able to uh, take any credit cards. If you rely solely on computers, you could have a big problem. For the entire event, no one could buy any food oh. and wait for it, nor drink, oh. meaning alcohol. Can you oh, imagine God. that situation? That's uh, there are going to be some upset uh, wrestling fans there. I'm surprised we didn't have a bigger problem. Now, they did hand out food to people there because obviously they couldn't sell it. So they said, well, we have this food. So they started to hand it out. So hats off to them. But no one had any alcohol. Yeah, nothing. People were bringing out dollar bills. And they said, we can't accept them. I just want to sit back for a second and think about how that would go at a Cleveland Browns game oh, where boy. the credit card machines did not work and no one can buy any drinks. Forget the food. Let's be honest. Most people have food before. They right. There. But just alcoholic and soft drinks. Yeah. Can you imagine what that would be like? That would be everyone's biggest fear. Yeah. Well, uh, one thing you wouldn't have to worry about is bottle gate. <laughs> it's true. But, that is um, true. Yeah. yeah. That, be less trash pickup in the stadium. So that, that's yes. I mean, you're saving money that's, that way. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, did I hear something about the restrooms being a problem at SummerSlam? I don't know how that's connected, but I also heard the same thing that the, the toilets were not flushing correctly. I don't know how that's all connected. If there's something with the circuit or something, but yeah, I think it's just coincidence that the toilets didn't work. Cause I think if the credit card machine doesn't work, I don't think it affects your I mean, does that happen to you at home? If you're, no, I don't have to work, swipe the a toilet card not to, work? to go so. to the bathroom. But yeah, um, that sounds sounds like a bit of a mess at SummerSlam this past. Does that season. mean the toilets weren't flushing, or when they flush incorrectly? I don't, I don't, I don't. How does a toilet? I think flush? there was some flushing, but not the full flushing. I see. Okay. All right. Well, we don't need any more 
vivid description on that. I think no, that's, uh, no, we're good. Yeah. Well, coming up on uh, this week's show, we are going to talk about one of the greatest hitters to ever don a Cleveland Indians uniform. We'll talk about that in this week in uh, Cleveland sports. Some good news at Northfield Park involving a horse that uh, got spooked a little bit. We're also going to talk with Gabby Gowdy from FanDuel. She's a uh, Cleveland native who works for FanDuel, so we'll talk to her about FanDuel. In our overachievers, we've got some information about the COVID vaccine that's somewhat interesting. Uh, a snake appeared at a rather unique location in Australia, and we'll give you the details on that in Klopp's Clips. We also want to talk about the Big Five show on WEWS in This Week in Cleveland History. So we've got that. Plus, Ken's got another item that you can really buy. Another word that come from. Yeah. This week, we're going to go with a different word, and I think you've heard this saying before, bury the hatchet. Hmm. When's the last time you've buried the hatchet, Ted? Uh, I hold grudges. I don't bury hatchets. Fair enough. Thank you. And the meaning, of course, is to stop a conflict and make peace. Yeah. So the origin of this saying dates back to the early times North in North America where the Puritans were in conflict with the Native Americans. Okay. In negotiating peace, the Native Americans would bury all their hatchets, knives, clubs, and tomahawks. Weapons literally were buried and made inaccessible. How about that? That's I'm not surprised by that. Uh, I mean, what other group do we know of in history that used hatchets? I'm trying that's, to think. Yeah. It's not coming. It's not right. coming to me. So no, that, that, one, that is it. That's 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 pretty interesting. Well, Ted, that's where that came from. And next time, when you say bury the hatchet, you know where it is. <laughs> Cleveland! This is for you! All right, time for another This Week in Cleveland Sports. August 25th, 1966. Some guy named Albert Bell. I think he was pretty good back in his day. Oh, he's a five-time All-Star. All right. He's born in Shreveport, Louisiana, back in 1966. What an intimidating hitter. Our, our Cleveland sports expert, Dusty Sloan, is with us. And Dusty, Albert Bell, an unbelievable student of the game and uh, as, as much a studious hitter as I think there has been in baseball. And that's the thing that kind of gets lost in Albert Bell's career that everybody just remembers the temper and remembers the play between first and second with Fernando Vina when he laid him out on a ground ball. But if you take a look at Albert Bell's career, he was a very studious person when it came to hitting. And you look at his career statistics, a 10-year period from 1991, that was his first year when he was a full-time player with the Indians, until his last year when injuries finally gave way for him when he played for the Baltimore Orioles. You talk about a 10-year period. If he would have done that for another five or 10 years and he would have been a much more likable player, he'd have been a Hall of Famer. That magical 95 season when it was strike short and he had 52 doubles, 50 homers, 126 RBIs, he, he had an OPS of over 1,000 four out of five years. Jeez. He led the league in RBIs three out of four years. He had at least 100 RBIs every year for nine straight years. The guy could just absolutely hit the baseball. And I think a lot of people forget he also had 88 stolen bases. His next to last year, he had 17. So he wasn't a slow player either for being a power hitter. He was the complete package. Everybody just unfortunately forgets the negative or just remembers the negative things. Dusty, obviously – being a Cleveland fan and all that, we certainly know how good of a player he was. And he played on some great teams. And obviously I think he, he still had some success. He left and played for the White Sox. I remember that he was with Frank yep. Thomas and the Orioles looking at his statistics. Does he not have enough to get into the hall of fame or is it that situation where at this time they're just saying, well, we didn't like his demeanor and there were some off field things and we're not going to put him in. What, what's, what's your thoughts on that? I think when you look at other players, particularly in other sports, when you look at a, 
guy in, in football like Terrell Davis, and he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he had great numbers, but he didn't do it for nearly as long as Albert Bell. When you look at his statistics over a decade period, you can make a claim that he was the best player hitting-wise in the American League for a 10-year period. Mm-hmm. He ended with 381 homers, 389 doubles, 1,239 RBIs, and an OPS of 933, which was well above Major League average for that time. I do think that there are some writers that certainly will ha- hold it against him. He didn't play again after his age 33 years, so if he would have done it for two, three, four more years, it would have been very hard to keep him out. But when you're going to keep a guy like Fred McGriff out just because he doesn't have a couple homers short of 500, you're yeah. probably going to keep Albert Bell out at 381. And what's his average? What was his career average, Dusty? He, he hit 295. He hit for a three-year period from 94 to 96. He hit 357, 317, and 311. Mm. The guy did strike out just a little bit, but he was not your prototypical power hitter, at least not at today. He was not striking out 200 times. He made a lot of contact. If he's playing today, Dusty, he's the highest paid player in baseball, hands down. With if those he's numbers. playing today, Twitter would be a heck of a lot more fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point, too. One for Dusty. That's a great point right oh, there. I know a lot of people think of the negative with him. Ken, I know we talked to Mark Trombo. Anytime uh, I think of Albert Bell, I think of that story Mark Trombo told us uh, <clears throat> when they uh, wanted a song for Albert and uh, he yeah. wouldn't, told him, you know, I, don't play anything. And they, we got to play something. They played a bell. And he went up and struck out on three pitches and he came back and dialed the wrong number and said, don't ever play that blah, 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 bell again. Yeah. that's. <laughs> but then he called, it was, they called the, uh, the suite. It wasn't yeah, the dugout. He called the suite. Yeah. He, he called the wrong number. He the terrace, the terrace club. He called the terrace yeah. club. Yeah. That's it. He called the terrace club. Got yeah. some poor waiter on the phone. This is Albert <laughs> Bell. Don't ever play that bell again. Click. Oh, my gosh. Classic. All right. Well, Dusty, thank you very much for the insight, and we appreciate it. That is another This Week in Cleveland Sports. Cleveland! This is for you! Ken, we have good news. Yes. A two-year-old trotter, that's a horse, at suburban Cleveland's Northfield Park. I don't know why I bothered to tell you that that's a horse. You've, you've I figured as much. I knew what a trotter park. was. Yeah, yes. trotter, yeah. Anyhow, at Cleveland's Northfield Park, the trotter got spooked and nearly drowned in the infield pond about 10 days ago. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the horse uh, named Creatine Star tossed its driver on the way to the pond. It was in over its head when a member of the track crew jumped into the pond to help the gelding keep its head above water. Two trainers also helped, and with assistance, Creatine Star was able to get out of the pond safely. That's insane. That's uh, a horse that gets spooked. I, I can't imagine trying to jump into a pond and try to assist this horse that could, I mean, it could fall on you, drown you. Yes. You know, the number of things that could go wrong in that situation, I would say far outnumber the one thing that can go right. So definitely hats off to that uh, track crew member and the two trainers, because otherwise uh, that, that horse, I, I, you know, without that assistance, that horse isn't around anymore. I don't believe. No. And obviously when you're a trainer like that, you have a very good understanding of horses. And I'm thinking that these people certainly understood the horse and knew how to settle it down and all that stuff. Luckily enough, it sounds like from doing some research on this as well, it doesn't sound like the cart was attached to the horse, which kind of been a really, really big issue. Obviously not only a very, you know, (laughs) Horses are certainly not light, but you throw a cart on top of that and could have been an awful situation. So hats off to the two trainers for helping assist and save the life of Creeds and Star. That's just great stuff. That is some good news. Blah, 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 bl
Today's guest is a native of Powhatan, Ohio, and attended Bethany College in Bethany, West Virginia, and also the University of Pittsburgh. Our guest was a college athlete competing in cross country and softball for the Bisons. Despite having an interest in science and biochemistry, our guest made the leap of faith and decided to become a sports journalist and a sports social media influencer for FanDuel. Our guest has aspirations to one day host her own TV broadcast on the NFL or NBA. Our guest has previously been on podcast Collegeville Conversation, Justin Ayers, The Chase, Thomas Podcast, Division Three Finest, Empower Women in Sports, Played Her Way, and Starting Lineup. But none of Our those compare has- to two middle-aged men in Cleveland. <laughs> well, that is correct. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Our, our guest has over 43,000 followers on Twitter, mm. 23,000 followers on Instagram, and get this, 72,000 followers on TikTok. Unbelievable. Let's talk with the social media superstar and social media influencer, Gabby Gowdy. Gabby, thank you so much for joining us. So our first question for you, being middle-aged men, along with my co-host, Steph Club, <laughs> we don't necessarily understand social media as well as younger folks. We're just going to be very honest about that. We're talking about how hearts. things... <laughs> Talk about how things got started for you working for FanDuel and how you became someone extremely prevalent in social media. Um, I'm going to be honest. It was an accident. That's not what we wanted to hear. (laughs) Well, it was. That's how it happened. It happened on an accident. That's how I got started. I I never posted on like Twitter. I never posted on anything really. And then one day I was at, I never did. I was at the orange and brown scrimmage like two years ago, three years ago, maybe. I don't know when it was. The first one that Odell was at. Like the very first, like Odell's here, the crowd's here. I took a photo of him on the sideline and I said, things I'll never get tired of seeing. And it literally blew up and I got like 3,000 followers from that. And then my friends are like, hey, you say funny stuff about sports. Maybe you should try to like post some stuff. And then I did. And then it's just been from there. Wow, that's a heck of a strategy. I like that. so, So how do you come up with the content you post? You talked about Odell. But do you mm-hmm. plan things a couple of weeks out? Is this spur of the moment? Hey, I'm I'm at uh, Lake Erie and it's a sunny day. How do you how do you come up with the content? Most of my stuff is like really like on the fly. Like if something happens in a game, like I try to come up with something funny, something clever, something that someone else isn't going to say. Most of my stuff is just like what is going on in the moment, and you just go with it from there. There's some stuff that you do like some planning for like some of the TikTok stuff, you see like a trend, you figure out like, Hey, maybe I'll do this sometime during the week. But most of my stuff is pretty much, Hey, this is happening right now. So let me talk about it. You've had the opportunity to talk with a few different professional athletes, just from some different articles you've done. I've seen some interviews you've done. Who is someone you have spoke with that you really enjoyed interviewing? Uh, Richard Higgins. He was awesome. He's, he's a really nice guy, funny guy. loves Cleveland. It's great. When you approach the uh, second part of my question, when you approach these people and talk to them, mm-hmm. how, what is their reaction to you? I mean, let, let's be honest. You are you know, certainly a very beautiful woman. You're very intelligent about sports. Is it a situation where they're a bit intimidated because you're asking to interview them? Or is it a situation where like, okay, let's talk. And does it take a bit for you, for them to warm up to you? How does that whole thing work? Um, I think it throws them off a little bit, to be honest, because they're not used to people like, Cause you know, they have people that try to like talk to them all the time, like women that try to talk to them all the time. But like, if you approach them in like a professional way, they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'd love to do that. And most of them are very willing and very nice. So, so in this uh, current climate that we're in or have been in women, unfortunately, sometimes particularly in sports get comments, things like that. Ken kind of talked about how athletes maybe react to you. I'm going to guess that uh, probably at some point, unfortunately, someone may have said something inappropriate um, to you. How do you uh, how do you deal with that? Do you have any advice for other uh, young aspiring um, uh, sports reporters uh, who are female who might be not sure how to handle that? Well, for me, I've gotten to the point I've seen it at this point. I've seen it all like nothing you can say to me is going to be something that someone else already hasn't. So most of the time I just like laugh at them. I usually don't respond. I only respond to them if I can make it into like a joke that I can get interactions from. But if I can't, I'm like, nah, I'm just not even going to bother with you because most of the time they're just grumpy. 
men that have nothing better to do. Like they're just mad. They're like, they have something going on in their lives that they feel like they have to bring it out into mm. mine. Sure. Like if they're mad at me, it's not my fault. There's something that's going on with them that they are not happy with. And they're taking yeah. it out on other people. I understand that. That is unfortunately the, the way social media goes. Somebody's always trying to put someone else down and that's, that's probably the downfall. Now there's a lot of positives with it as well. Mm -hmm. So be, being from Ohio, it seems as though just, you know, seeing your stuff on Instagram and Twitter, you support the Cleveland professional teams very well. Talk about, obviously this is the big topic here in Cleveland with the football season coming up. Talk about your thoughts on the upcoming Brown season and what's your thinking as the orange helmets are certainly on the practice field. And we'll be starting here very soon. I'm excited. I'm very excited because um, I mean, we've never experienced anything like this. Well, I haven't experienced anything like this in my lifetime because they've always been terrible. But yeah, it's exciting. It's unbelievable. Like some people really don't know how to act right now because I mean, like, again, we haven't experienced this like winning multiple games in a very long time, but it's exciting. Everybody's excited. And yeah, I'm just ready to watch some Cleveland Browns football. I guess to go along with that question, who is in your opinion, the most important player on the team, number one. And secondly, who's your favorite player? Most important player? Mm. See, that's a tough one because I could say like 10 people. Sure. I mean, I, I feel like Miles Garrett is the probably the most important player on that team. I could say Baker Mayfield, but at the same time, I, I mean, like, Miles, it's Miles Garrett. Like, he's the best athlete on that field at all times. And is he your favorite as well? No, it's Odell. Odell, <laughs> fair enough. Why is that? Why Odell? Um, I've liked Odell. Like, he just brings so much personality and so much fun. And I feel like he's such a – I know people love to hate on him. But if you want to have a football team that's talked about and you want it to bring more people to your fandom and you want attention and you want people to talk about your team, there's probably no one better than to have than him because you know people love to talk about him. He's like an international superstar. Like, people know Odell. And yeah. it's just crazy that he's on our football team. Yep. So he was in the Drake music video with a Cleveland Brown shirt on. I know that doesn't get much cool. cooler than that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I haven't been in any music videos. <laughs> Me either. Yeah. <laughs> I think you have a better chance than I do, but yeah, mm. this receding hairline might. Oh my God. Yes. All right. So I, uh, apparently you were mentioned in a sports illustrated article this year at an NBA game, a fight broke out in the stands and you got some video of this. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, what happened and your reaction and all that? So I didn't take the video. One of my friends who also went to Bethany took the video. He sent it to me. He doesn't have a Twitter. He said, don't tag me. I don't want the person to know that I posted this because he knew the person that got punched in the face. Oh, okay. well, if he doesn't have Twitter, how could you tag him? Exactly. Well, I could okay. say like Instagram or like whatever, or like say, but okay. I said underneath my friend took this video. He doesn't want to be named, but people didn't like that, whatever. Okay. So he sent it to me and I posted it and that thing went off yeah so when you post something like that and you get credit from that how does that make you feel obviously i mean you're credited with sports illustrated and i can only imagine and i didn't have the opportunity to see how many people looked at that video it has like nine million views oh my gosh that's insane yeah it has like nine million views like so many shares like so many like big sports media people reshared it even people that aren't even in sports just like people that have massive followings reposted it because it was crazy Sounds like uh, uh, interesting things, happenings follow you. That's, is that, that? Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, it's never boring. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. Um, uh, would you mind if two uh, old middle-aged men uh, followed you around to see if we can, you know, if some <laughs> of that activity. No. Uh, hey. no, it's never boring. I'll tell you that. Okay. Well, this past weekend, I hear you went to Vegas. Mm -hmm. uh, so NBA Summer League. Well, tell us yes. about that. And it was, any other fun that happened in Vegas? Or are you going to go with what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? Well, I got some stories. Okay. I'll keep it. I'll keep it brief. Okay. It was the most fun I've ever had in two days in my life. Like that was insane. It was crazy. Shout out to the Phoenix Suns because they're the ones that funded the whole trip. They did this because we're opening up a sports book in their arena. And it's going to be the for, wow. first sports book in any like sports arena. So they brought like two people from FanDuel. We went with them. Great people, great hospitality, amazing experience. Five minutes into the trip, like when we got to the hotel, we get into the elevator and we're in the elevator with Cardell Jones. Oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. And I had a Cleveland shirt on. He said, you from Cleveland? I said, yeah. He was like, oh, nice. Me too. And I said, I know. 
<laughs> That's really cool. Well, talk, you talked about that trip. What are some other trips you've taken that are most memorable since you've been certainly been a very influencer with social media and things like that? Is there another trip that comes to mind that was like, wow, this was just an amazing experience? Yeah, I went to the playoff game in Kansas City. Did you really? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's it was great. so much fun. It was so cool. I went by myself. Okay. But it was great. I had a friend that went down to the game with his wife and he said, mm-hmm. you know, it was limited seating, of course, and all that. But he says that the fans from Kansas City were some of the nicest people and some of the nicest fans. He's yeah, the they were experience? so nice. See, this is I hate to do this to Browns fans. I really do. Mm. But <laughs> we were so mean to them. We were so mean to them. It was embarrassing. Hey, don't mince any words. Tell us how you feel. <laughs> like, it was just, they were not, our fans were not very nice to them and they were nothing but kind to us. And I was like, okay. oh, God. That's yeah. what I heard. My friend who went said they had a great time. They definitely want to go back. They he ended up getting like phone numbers for some of the fans that they ever go. I mean, yeah, they were so a different great. situation. Yeah, I think we're just so used to playing the Steelers. That mm-hmm. we just have that mentality with all the teams and thinking all the yeah. teams are going to be like that. So that's just, I think, part of it. Yeah, that. we just had like, the, it just was the people I was sitting by, but they were just saying very vulgar things to many people in the stands, especially women. And it was just yeah, like, nah, let's not do that. Inappropriate. Yeah. For sure. So we have two more questions for you. Maya's another follow-up question. So you've done all these things so far. You talked about aspirations of hosting your own TV show, of talking about the NFL and the NBA. Where, where things are at right now and what you're doing with FanDuel, what, what is something maybe you would like to see yourself doing here in the next two to three years from all the um, certainly social media interaction you've had and experiences? Mm-hmm. Where, where, where do you see yourself in the next year, a couple of years? Um, I would love to, one, have my own show. Big show, have great guests on it all the time. Mm-hmm. Two, I would also just like to be, like my absolute goal is to be just like a sports traveling influencer like I go to different games different cities tell people like these are places you can go when you're here this is stuff you can do at the stadium here's food that's good like this game is good like the fans from this team whatever whatever like hotels things like that if that makes any sense I know how people like people do that all the time just as like traveling to different like vacation spots but I want to do it like sports centric if that makes sense yeah it does make sense that is pretty cool that would be neat just like go like do like a little baseball tour, say like each stadium, like I stayed at this hotel, I did this, that, that, like this is a great recommendation for stuff like that. And I think that'd be pretty useful. Yeah, so too, as you're promoting the different brands and the different yeah. things that are there, I think you certainly I think there is a market for that for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, if uh somebody or lots of people, uh, I don't know if there's anybody left that hasn't found you on any of these social <laughs> medias, but if they uh by chance are hearing about you for the first time, how would they go about following you or uh you know where where are they going to find you you can follow me on every single platform that i have which is instagram twitter uh tiktok and youtube at gab gowdy g-a-b-b-g-o-u-d-y also on fandle any any advice for uh other aspiring uh young journalists aside from don't take your ideas that's always a good one I mean, you can take them, but make them a little different. Uh, My advice is just like, have fun. If you're not having fun doing it, you're not going to be good at doing it. Have fun, make it funny, entertaining. Just like you really have to have a good time because if you're not enjoying it, other people aren't going to enjoy it with you. That's very well said. Well, Gabby, thank you so much for your time. I think we have some thoughts in the future of how we can maybe have you affiliated with your with our show if you're interested mm-hmm. with that. But we really appreciate you taking the time to spend a little bit of time with two middle-aged men. I know you have a lot of other people that yeah. follow you. They certainly have to get some information out. But thank you so much, and we wish you the best in the future. Thanks. Thanks for having me. That time for our overachievers. I'm ready. It's 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 got to be me this week. Well, I'm not even going to answer it because you know the answer. Okay. Dang it. A hospital in Mumbai teamed up with an insurance company to break a Guinness World Record. We have a new Guinness World Record every week. And a (laughs) (laughs) vaccinate more than thirty thousand people in one week. Oh my gosh. 
The hospital registered 30,467 people to receive their COVID-19 vaccines between August 7th and August 14th. All of the people who registered were vaccinated on the spot. That is insane. 30,000 people in one week. Wow. Unbelievable. Okay, I filled out my registration card. When do I come back? You don't come back, sir. Just have a seat. We'll be with you in a minute. (laughs) Oh, wow. Why, Why is it so quick? Well, do you want us to take our time? No, I guess not. Get in here. Give yeah. me your arm. Yeah. Wow, that's that's great. There you go. That's that's some overachievement right there. The most trusted name in journalism, Klops Clips. Ken, are you ready? Oh, I've been waiting all week. Here we yep. go. Here we go. Let's start in Australia. Down under. Shoppers in a supermarket there got a bit of a surprise. A giant python stuck its head out into the spice area. <laughs> One shopper at the Woolworths in suburban Sydney happened to be a volunteer snake catcher, a former volunteer snake catcher, described the snake as mellow. Oh, yeah. Hmm. The 10 foot long intruder was removed without incident, but he was mellow. So he was mellow. Nothing to worry. I don't know. How do you tell if a snake is mellow? I don't know. I wouldn't look in its eyes. I I I think the other thing with this story, too, that's pretty impressive. Obviously, the the python being in the spice area. I didn't know that there was still a Woolworths. Did you? I mean, no, I didn't. I didn't know that still existed. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Maybe it's well, going to be like almost like the last black or blackbuster, blockbuster <laughs> in Eugene, Oregon. Blackbuster. Yeah. I'm not sure yeah, what that well, is. No, I don't know either. But uh, I, I just wonder, wouldn't you consider all snakes to be mellow until they actually bite? I would I mean, guess. That, I mean, I, the, I guess maybe we need to have somebody on to give us an idea of, of the stages of mellowness with the snakes. Yeah. Well, 13-year-old Riley Stewart of Australia found a rare puffed-out Dorito chip in a bag in her family's house. She took pictures and decided to put the chip up for auction on eBay Hmm. instead of eating it. Bids flew in. The chip got up to 20 grand. That's when eBay pulled the auction. I don't know why, but... Doritos stepped in, saying they appreciated Riley's entrepreneurial spirit, and they paid her twenty grand for the rare Dorito chip. Wow. Well, from your research, was this like shaped in something? Like it looked like person, or was it, it something no, special? No, it or? was just a triangle, but it was puffed out. It looked puffed like out. something huh. uh, blew some air into it. We'll put some there's some pictures online and. We'll put them on our uh, social media so everybody can see. But yeah, wow, that's it's cool. not not necessarily uniquely shaped, just puffed out. <clears throat> that's what they say about me, to be honest yeah. with you. I've heard that right. before. Not uniquely shaped, just, just puffed, puffed out. out. Yeah. The Tulsa, Oklahoma Fire Department called to the scene of what was described as a corpse in the river. Fire, police, and EMS responded. They launched a boat before discovering the corpse was very much alive and simply a man relaxing in shallow water. They figured that out when he sat up as they got close. The Fire, police, and EMS all called. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, I don't... I. Wouldn't well, you I'm see that the man is alive? I mean, yeah, I, that's I, the good part here. The guy's alive. Yeah, that's so, great. Yeah, but we're wasting our our yeah. service money. That's they're wasting our money in Tulsa because they can't yeah. figure out a man is just trying to wait in the water. He's Relax. not perished. Right. A man in Italy got a QR code tattooed on his arm. Scanning the code shows the man's coronavirus green pass. That shows that he's been vaccinated, tested negative, or recovered from COVID. 
he says the uh, he says this means he doesn't have to get out his phone to show the pass anymore. All of that, oh. just so you don't have to get your phone out. Well, if he decides to go to some of the venues in Cleveland, he just lift his arm up, you know, show off his sleeve and QR right in there. There we go. Lovely. I've heard of some strange tattoos, but yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting one. A new study by RTI International shows mothers with young children drank 323% more once the pandemic started than before. Wow. 323%. That's, my God. <laughs> Overall, alcohol consumption was up 39% from February of 2020 to November of the same year. And we could do our own study on this. I, I have many folks that I could do the research with. And yeah. I, I, I believe these numbers are correct. Yeah, 323%. Yeah, no doubt. Parents with yes. small children. Yep. It turned Mother. it from moderate drinking to aggressive drinking. Heavy, heavy. yeah. <laughs> aggressive drinking. Oh, well, I'll drink to that and close out this week's collection of Pops Clip. Another This Week in Cleveland History, August 28th, 1964, WEWS-TV Channel 5's rock and roll dance show, The Big Five Show, debuts with host Don Webster. Webster, previously working in Canada, was brought in as a host by an independent television producer, Herman Sparrow. The show went into national syndication at the Upbeat Show in 1966, with appearances by such acts as, get this, Sonny and Cher, the Supremes and Steppenwolf. Ken, weren't you yeah. on that show? Was I on that show? Yeah, no. I think, no. Oh, I thought no, I thought I, 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 I thought didn't make it. No, I didn't make it. All right. But uh, we do have a gentleman with us, our historian, the Cleveland historian John Grabowski. John, do you remember this show? Do you remember any anything about this show? And obviously, Don Webster, who's I mean, let's be honest, when you talk about Cleveland weather and things like that. He's certainly someone that uh, certainly is one of the tops, you know, to go along with many of the other people. But what do you remember about the Big Five show? I, I remember watching it periodically, but I hate to tell you at that age, I was listening to big band music rather than rock and roll. <laughs> uh, I, I slowly got into it. But, uh, you know, I remember Don Webster in a number of, of areas with, within Channel 5. It, you know, it was, it was the Big Five show here. But, you know, the thing that's really remarkable about that show is it gets syndicated as the upbeat 1966 to 90 different stations around the country. Wow. Now that's major, major for something coming out of Cleveland. And you know, it's the model for it in, in a way is American Bandstand with Dick Clark, which comes out of Philly and then eventually moves, you know, moves away from that. And and Dick Clark was perpetually young. Okay, this there's a question <laughs> Clark there. But, you know, it's, it maybe is a knockoff, but it gave young people within the city of Cleveland for Big Five show or Upbeat to dance and show their stuff. They, they were guests on the shows. They, they could listen to their favorite singers lip sync something. <laughs> and then if you watch the video, sometimes the lip syncing is not the best. Uh, <laughs> but they could dance. And, you know, I know for the, uh, for the American Bandstand, they had a reunion of the original dancers, I think, in the 1990s. And they, they were all... A little older at that point, um, and uh, but yeah, this was something that you know the media, TV made made a lot by catering to the youth crew. Now it's no different than radio because radio, you know, put on Alan Freed in the Moondog show, and so that that's where you broke that music. So why not when when you've got a visual medium to do the same thing, put on what the young people like, and so you see that. But you know, Cleveland also has a polka variety show. Okay, you know, and so. <laughs> This there and the Gene Carroll show for amateur, you know, uh, acts to go on this, and that all mimics national things. So, you know, Webster does an incredible job with this show. And after, after the show is over, you know, he goes on to other things at TV Five, and I think he spent some time in management there. And he said that's the last thing he ever wanted to do again. <laughs> uh, but then, then we know him. I think many people remember him for his weather forecast. Absolutely. So you know, this is somebody who comes from Canada. He's brought 
brought down to Cleveland. He, he makes it run. And I think a lot of people who grew up in that era, myself included, even though I was watching, listening to big band music, still remember this show because that's what everybody in my class was watching and whatever else. Now I'll say one more thing about uh, Don Webster. He was also uh, the, uh, the host for Academic Challenge. Yep. And that began in 1964 as well, before Webster got there. And uh, yours truly was on the first academic challenge for South High School. Oh, really? how about we, that? We, oh. we, we won in 1964. We lost in 65 and 66. But yeah, this, this is when, when TV's was really trying to get the community involved, whether it's academic challenge, polka varieties, or a bowling show. It's, you're looking at everything that was popular among different age groups in the 1950s and 1960s. And now you can get it all on your device. Well, first first off, John, I'm going to ask you to sign and send a, an eight and a half by 11 glossy for me here when we're done. But before we get to that, um, Channel 5, talk about this is a station, local TV in the 60s. You mentioned Academic Challenge. We talked about the Big Five show. They also had uh, the Morning Exchange, which, correct me if I'm wrong, that's the format that the Today Show took and now has as their national show. So this one station, this local station in Cleveland, really set the bar for many of the shows that we have seen since. Yeah, you know, it's, it, you know, it may parallel them. It may give birth to them. It may give ideas to them. But I think, you know, and, and of course, Webster was also, I think, a host on Morning Exchange for a while. Yes. As well. So, I mean, you're looking at a man who was very plastic in his ability. And he was very, very engaging. And I think the innovation that was going on at WWS, and I dare say the other two major stations in Cleveland, was, you know, when TV comes becomes popular after World War II, it's, it's invented before the war, it only grows after World War II. I mean, stations are struggling to find things that are going to attract people. And every station's experimenting, you know, and, and a lot of it is local before you get the national networks really reaching in. So yeah, a lot of the experiments fail. Some of them really work. And I think getting the population involved, you know, either dancing or being, being interviewed on morning exchange is a major way of connecting with the community. Oh, we do it with social media now, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, that's the realm we're in now. I know that's a fan favorite of Ted, I'll tell you that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, John, thank you so much for the information. Nice to talk about WEWS back from August 28th, 1964 with their rock and roll show, The Big Five Show. John, yeah. thanks again. We appreciate your time. Great. Okay, Ken, take care. That's another This Week in Cleveland History. Not a dad joke. What do you call the Terminator after he retires? The Terminator after he retires. I'm not sure. The ex-Terminator. <laughs> that joke was horrible. Ted, it's time for something that you always enjoy. And something that you can buy. Time right. for you can really buy this. Okay. This week, this week's item comes from a site that rhymes with the Basketball Hall of Famer, Hakeem Olajuwon. Olajuwon. I don't know if you could figure it out. Olajuwon. Think okay. about it. I'll think about that. I'm, I'm working on it. Ted, I have a solution for you today. So I'm going to throw out a scenario. So at night, when your kids go to bed and you're ready for the late night snack or the fourth meal, as they call it, yes. go to the kitchen, you get your favorite bag of chips or cheesy goodness, like cheese puffs. Okay. And this would usually occur around midnight when you are extremely fatigued, but you just need to feed your face one more time before you pass it. Okay, we've all been. I've experienced that on a daily basis, I think. Usually when you dig into these chips or cheesy pops or whatever, when you dig into those snacks, your fingers get like super greasy or turn a different color, kind of yep. like you've been petting Fonzie Bear for about 30 minutes. You know what yeah, I'm talking or, about? Oh, I know. Yeah, or your kids get that on them and then they yes. wipe it on their white shirt. 
Yes, that's the best. Yeah. Yes. 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 So after you eat the snack, obviously it's late and you just want to pass out. Maybe get a little sleep on the couch before you go to bed or something like that. Right. Well, then you have the hassle. You you have to go and you have to wash your hands because the food residue and all that stuff. I mean, that's a pain. Well, I found something to help with this issue. Oh. And it's called chip fingers. It's finger covers for sticky food for your hands. Okay. Okay. Yep. You place the small covers on your index finger, middle finger, and thumb, and just start eating aggressively. That's what you do. It's real easy. You pop them in. So this is great for chips, popcorn, pizza, party food, finger food appetizers. These go on and off with ease and are made of silicone which means they're dishwasher safe and can be placed in boiling water to disinfect. This is, I mean, this is all you, to be honest with you. This is a solution, absolutely. This is intended for children 12 and over because they could be a choking hazard, obviously. But for the price, you get the three covers, which cover your three fingers so you can use the item. $17.99, a little little pricey. Wow. Anytime I come up with these items, obviously, you know, I like to go through the reviews. So yeah. Into this, so I have a couple for you. Okay. So the first one comes from Susan. Okay. She writes five stars. They look bizarre, but do exactly what they're supposed to do. I've been told that before. So <laughs> Kat also got in the mix and said, I bought these for a blind neighbor that cooks, and this helps him turn foods that are hot from one side to the other. That's actually okay. a really good idea. That's, okay. That's, that's very cool. Now, obviously, there's there's the other side as well. Some people were not happy. Paige wrote, the snack residue still gets on my fingernails. This is not a good buy. They slide up your fingers, which results in the residue getting under your nails. So Paige is out. And then Brendan, I mean, he cut right to the chase. These are stupid. Why would anyone pay $17 for them? So, <laughs> Brendan might have said the things we were thinking and just kind of put it on paper. Well, but... Uh, Ted, I mean, for that aggressive eating that you and I both like to do after midnight, and then we just kind of want to pass out and don't want to have sticky fingers or greasy fingers or orange fingers or anything like that, we might have found the imperfect gift for our aggressive eating. Chip fingers. What I want to know is what's wrong with just a pair of rubber gloves? That's too much work. I you got to put those on, and then what if you pass out with rubber gloves on? You could affect your hands. I Chip see. fingers, Ted. Chip, Chip fingers. fingers. Okay. All right. Well, I guess I can really buy that. We are putting a bow of sorts <clears throat> on the end of uh, episode 69. Yes. <laughs> yes, we are. No doubt about uh, that. I, I'm, I'm frankly a little disappointed in ourselves that there weren't more discussions about this particular episode number, but nonetheless, uh, here we are. And before we go, I have a quick story about my eldest son. You know, okay. uh, yesterday was the first day of school and they got their teacher assignments a few days ago. And he's telling me who he got. And I said, oh, okay. And he knows this teacher because she runs the after-school program. Oh, okay, cool. And I said, oh, okay. Well, that's good, isn't it? And he looks at me and he says, she's strict. And I said, so? And he pauses and he kind of puts his hands behind his head. And he says, well, daddy, you know, I'm not really a rule kind of a guy. (laughs) Free spirit. That's what he said. (laughs) Not really a rule kind of a guy. So I'm, uh, I'm interested to see how this goes. Yeah. Oh, you'll find out quick. Yes. You'll find out quick. So, yeah, I guess uh, we'll find out how much of a rule kind of a guy he is, but uh, yeah, not really a rule kind of a guy apparently. Next week on our show, I have ruled and Ken has ruled that we're going to have a big guest, the drummer from Night Ranger, Kelly Kagey. 
is going to join us along with their tour manager, Ed Repepi, who has been on our show in the past. They're going to talk about the Danny Repepi Memorial Concerts that Night Ranger is headlining. And we'll talk to uh, Kelly Kagey about that and uh, a few other things. But uh, very excited to have uh, a legendary uh, uh, rock and roller join us on the show next week. Yeah, that's a exciting situation for us because, uh, you know, with Night Ranger, and they just came out with a new album as well. So we probably could talk to Kelly about that. But it's such a popular group, they have a great following, and have, if you have the opportunity to talk to Kelly, it's, it's really cool. And, uh, you know, certainly that's with the help of Edward Pepe, who's the tour manager, looking forward to the concert on September 8th for the Danny Repepi Memorial Concert should be really cool, but should be a great conversation. Sister Christian, know that never mind. Time has come. Yeah. Hey, on another note, before we close, and I know what oh. I'm supposed to do when we close. Yeah. I, I like special things that I say. I heard recently, and congrats to the city of Cleveland. So we had talked about oh. the NFL draft. This is not to talk about anything more about that. They made $42 million off the draft weekend. Wow. $42 million. Okay. Very exciting. Very well done. And I hope they have it again very soon because now, uh, certainly say, the city can use the money, number one, but what a great experience. So the that's the profit for the city or is that the economic impact? That's the economic impact. Okay. So when I say the city, I didn't mean the city of Cleveland itself. I'm talking about I got you. I got you. So all the restaurants and bars and everything else around that area and all that. That's that's huge. That, yeah, that's that really is cool. Huge. That's that's really good for all those bars and restaurants and businesses that are down there uh, in the downtown Cleveland area. And hopefully I know there's been talk of that uh, waterfront redevelopment program yes, pro yes. project. So <clears throat> hopefully we'll uh, see that start to come to fruition. And hopefully next week I won't have this frog in my throat. What's the frog's name? Actually, I think his name is Kermit, but I'm not sure. Uh, All yeah. right. Well, uh, I think we've uh, I think we've made up enough uh, nonsense for one week. What do you think, Ken? I think so. I think people have had enough, and I just want them to remember we're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two middle-aged men in Cleveland is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And by Westminster AV custom audio visual packages for all occasions.